0: It is a sad week for the podcasting community, as we've lost one of our own. George Plattis from the Dirty Bits podcast passed away at the age of 29. Everyone here at True Crime Fix extends our heartfelt condolences at this time to his wife, Tawny, who has been left without her soulmate. Rest in peace, George. True Crime Fix is a podcast with adult themes and graphic descriptions of crime You're listening to the True Crime Base Podcast with your host, Steve. Hello again everyone and welcome to our 22nd case together. If you've enjoyed the show so far, please make sure you subscribe on your chosen podcast directory and all of the new episodes will automatically download for you. You can also listen to the new episodes through the website too, so go over to www.truecrimefixpodcast.co.uk and all of the new episodes are at the base of the home screen. The episodes are also available now on YouTube on the True Crime Fix channel so please, if you do enjoy the show, spread the word as far as possible. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank all of the people that have left me a five-star review on iTunes. You are all amazing human beings, and thank you for your continued support of this little project. So I have to start this episode with a slight apology. Due to unforeseen personal circumstances in deepest, darkest Buckinghamshire, we have not been able to go into as much detail for the case today. Poor Ashley not too long ago had a nasty car accident, which resulted in her tearing ligaments in her ankle and breaking her sternum, so I've been running around playing nurse over the last couple of weeks. You'll be pleased to know she is on the mend, however. Despite the adversity that we have suffered, we did not want to skip a week, and therefore, while she's been laid up, I could not waste this opportunity, and managed to persuade her to do this. This is the fourth case written by my wife, and she's backed by popular demand according to the feedback for the other ones. Unfortunately, it is another case where the victim is a child, so it may not be suitable for all listeners. This is the last one for a while, I promise. Even I feel like I'm saying them words far too often. Back in 2012, it was a time for celebration in the United Kingdom. The Olympics had come to London with the events spreading far and wide. Seven years ago, it was not uncommon in small market towns to leave your front door ajar, letting your children play out the front of your house until the streetlights came on. Children playing never ending games of football in the field and cries of, next goal wins, or youngsters riding their bikes in the park. The summer had been a long one, and the world seemed like a safer place. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your True Crime Fix. I'm your host Steve, and this episode is dedicated to the memory of April Jones. April Sue Lynn Jones was born on the 4th of April 2007. She was born into a loving family. Mother Coral and Father Paul Jones lived in a small town in Wales, United Kingdom. The town of Machenleth is on the border of Snowdonia National Park and is a small market town. Snowdonia National Park contains one of the UK's three peaks, Mount Snowdon. Coral and Paul were blessed with three beautiful children, Jasmine being the eldest, followed by their son Harley and now their youngest April. April arrived into this world seven weeks premature and when she was born she was rushed into Swansea Intensive Care Unit she was there for over a week. During her time in the ICU, April had a seizure which led to her being diagnosed with cerebral palsy, predominantly on the left hand side of her body. April was a very determined child as she grew up. Due to the cerebral palsy, her left leg caused her massive amounts of pain, but she would not let it beat her. Coral and Paul bought April a bike when she was three years old and the bike helped April with her mobility and gave this strong, determined child momentum to keep pushing herself and not letting her condition beat her. She was always on her bike. Her sister Jasmine said, whatever you were doing, April had to be involved. You couldn't play on your laptop without her wanting to have a go. April was always smiling, always laughing and just interested in everything. Monday the 1st of October 2012 was a day like any other according to Paul Jones. The day began with breakfast for the children before all three of them set off to school. Later that afternoon after school, April visited the Van Hamden Leisure Centre for her weekly swimming lesson with her family. April loved the pool as she was a confident swimmer. After the lesson, the family headed home where Paul was making dinner. April's friend from her swimming club joined her. They had two slices of toast each and shared a tin of spaghetti shapes between them. Coral and Paul were beaming with delight and reading April's school report, which she had received that day. Shortly after dinner, she was allowed to go and play with her friend outside on her bike. What actually happened to April on that mild day in October still remains a mystery to this day, but the event started when Coral, April's mother, had asked her son Harley to go and fetch April in as it was getting late. However, her parents quickly realised something was terribly wrong. Young Harley returned home screaming. He was hysterical. April had been taken. In the chaos that ensued, April's mother called Jasmine, who was at the local youth club, to come home. As the word spread about April being abducted, the small community rallied together to help support in the search for her friends and strangers alike knocking on doors around the estate, searching the local area as well as alleys and garages. Her disappearance generated a large amount of national and international press coverage. The use of social media was vital in this search as updates as they were happening were being shared. This had encouraged an increased number of residents and people from further afield to assist in the search. However, it was now getting dark. People were grabbing torches and continued to search into the night. This description taken from a BBC news report, describes it best. Have you got a car? Is it four wheel drive and the area which you know best? A vulnerable member of their community was missing and they weren't going to rest until they'd found her. They've been out searching till about 3 o'clock. They've gone home to bed for a couple of hours and they've come back for half or six for daylight, ready to go again. Every morning they came to offer their help. Virtually a whole town with just one aim, finding a little girl. I've got two people who don't have transports. So I'm yeah. going to take them with me okay, and I'll fine. meet you at this junction then. Lovely. Even when the police politely suggested it was time to leave the search to the experts, they insisted on carrying on police are going to tell the locals to stop. I don't think they're going to stop anyway because it's so, such a close-knit con- uh, community. We just need to find her. But even the efforts of the volunteers were dwarfed by those of the professionals. This was the biggest operation of its kind ever staged in the UK. Every branch of the rescue services were involved and police officers from nearly every part of the country. This morning's task, open air search, encompassing... Uh, in, um, in fact, we had difficulty in trying to get rid of officers, you know, to have, to have rest. You know, we had officers who wouldn't take... Um, who wouldn't, didn't want to go back home to their home forces, wanted to take leave and stay and volunteer the search. It was a credit to the locals and the people that came around. For what they did in the limited time they had was astounding, said Paul. He continued. Some of the search teams were ordered to stop and they wouldn't stop. They were ordered to go back as they were exhausted. The same as the locals. They were out for hours that night searching. On the 3rd of October 2012, April Jones' mother made an appeal for information about her daughter at a press conference. It's been... 36 hours is since I know. April was taken from this. There must be someone out there who knows where she is and can help the police find her. Where we are desperate for any news. April is only five years old. Please, please help find her. following day, the then Prime Minister, David Cameron, also issued an appeal to the public, commenting, Clearly having this happen to you, and the fact that she suffers from cerebral palsy, something I know a little about from my own children, only makes it worse. My appeal would be to everyone, and if you know anything, if you saw anything, heard anything, have any ideas, You can bring it forward and talk to the police. As the appeals continued and the desperate search progressed, the police investigation uncovered a potential eyewitness to this abduction. The detectives were able to speak to the young girl who was playing with April at the time of the abduction. Both children were on their bikes and she had witnessed April get into a vehicle. The child managed to give the officers the break that the case needed to move forward. The girl stated that April got into the vehicle on the wrong side, and she described April as alive with a happy face, showing no signs of harm or upset. The exact term that the girl used, getting into the vehicle on the wrong side, was pushed a little bit further by the specially trained interviewing officers and this information was key. In the UK, we drive on the left-hand side of the road, the opposite to most of Europe and America. Therefore, the passenger side in the vehicles manufactured for this country is on the left. The description that the girl gave led the detectives to believe that the car was a left-hand drive. So the passenger side was on the right or as the girl put it, the wrong side. This narrowed down the search. This small, inconsequential detail which the girl had noticed and shared provided vital information to the case. Left-hand-drive vehicles were rare in the town of Machenleth. In fact, in such a small town, the locals only knew of one vehicle, which was left-hand-drive. The spotlight shone not on a predatory outsider, but a local member of the neighborhood. This was a shock to the community and April's family. The police were now building a picture of the individual prime suspect, Mark Bridger, who owned a left-hand drive Land Rover. Bridger was a 46-year-old man who lived in proximity to the Jones family. He had six children from four different relationships and some of his children attended the same school as April. Bridger was known to the Jones family as he was an old friend of Paul Jones. Mark Bridger and Paul used to date sisters previously in the local area prior to Paul's current marriage. The family, however, knew nothing of his compulsions, believing him, like many others, to be a respectable former serving officer with the British Special Forces, the SAS. But unbeknownst to a lot of people, Bridger had a long criminal record which he had accumulated from the age of 19. He had pled guilty to a string of offences including, attempting to take a car possession of a firearm, having an imitation firearm, theft, and two counts of obtaining property by deception. Though he was regarded as a drinker, with a short and often violent temper, particularly directed against women, and, on one occasion, a fellow motorist in a road rage attack, he was never considered a risk to children or convicted of any sexual offence. The day before the abduction of April, Bridger had broken up with his girlfriend. The alcoholic was infatuated with young girls and lived out his fantasies through the internet unknown to people who thought they knew him. A warrant had been issued for Bridger's arrest. The police started to search the addresses that they had for Bridger, but when they attended his home, he was not there. However, as the warrant allowed them to gain entry, they found that the fireplace had been left roaring. A strong smell of bleach loomed in the air. Bridger was located walking his dog and was arrested on the afternoon of the 2nd of October 2012, less than 24 hours after April went missing. To the surprise of the arresting officers, Bridger admitted straight away to his involvement in April's disappearance and provided an account of what had happened. Bridger had claimed that April had died in a road traffic accident with his Land Rover. He said that he was fueled with panic and driven by alcohol. He claimed that he tried to resuscitate her but failed and had taken her away in his vehicle. He was unable, however, to tell the police where her body was. Despite his admission, Andy John, who was the superintendent of Daffy Powis Police, didn't believe his testimony. But as he had clearly admitted and taken responsibility for the death of April, superintendent John felt it was time to explain this to the Jones family. During the search of Bridges' home, which was a small cottage in the town, secrets were starting to be revealed. Traces of blood were found throughout the cottage and it was clear the bathroom had undergone an extensive clean-up operation. There was a significant amount of blood found in the living room area, right next to the fireplace. The amount of blood had contradicted Bridges' claims of a road traffic accident. The blood in the living room was described as a puddle that no child would get up from. Forensic experts recovered remains of April in the ashes left in the fireplace. Charred fragments of juvenile skull bone were recovered from the inner hearth and lying next to the fireplace was bridge's boning knife police had seized his laptop and when the forensic teams investigated the cache they discovered 65 criminal standard abuse images of young children they now knew that they were dealing with a predator carefully categorized into separate folders were pictures of the soa murder victims Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman, as well as British schoolgirl Caroline Dickinson, who had been raped and killed on a school trip to France in 1996. The illegal pictures were kept away from all the other files in anonymous folders including one marked Z0. That contained obscene imagery of child abuse. Another was marked Clothed, and this bore the name of April's 16-year-old half-sister, who he had described as beautiful and an up-and-coming model. She had earlier refused a Facebook friend request on the advice of her mother. Bridger, meanwhile, set his own Facebook settings to maximum and concealed his age. The files contained photographs from the social networking site, including a number of April which were downloaded just eight days before her murder. There were also pictures of a teenage daughter of another one of Bridger's friends and a number of other young girls from the town. Among the search terms allegedly typed into his computer were Naked young five-year-old Whilst the computer picture library was also found to contain pictures including one of a pregnant eight-year-old girl as well as sexually explicit cartoons. This was brought to Bridger's attention while in police custody. He was interviewed for over 18 hours over the space of 13 interviews. Bridger was confident when speaking in the interview process However, when he was challenged over the evidence found in the cottage, he became upset and that seemed a common theme across the investigation. Mark Bridger was charged with child abduction, murder and attempting to pervert the course of justice. He appeared before a magistrate at Aberwiswith on the 8th of October. Where he was additionally charged with the unlawful concealment and disposal of a body. He was remanded to custody and held at Her Majesty's Prison Manchester pending his appearance at Carnarvon Crown Court. The plea hearing took place on the 14th of January 2013 at Mould Crown Court. Bridger pleaded not guilty to the charges brought against him, however, he accepted that he was probably responsible for April's death. The trial was due to take place on the 25th of February, however, this was adjourned until the 29th of April at the request of Bridger's defence team. The trial of Mark Bridger began on the 29th of April 2013, before Judge Mr Justice Griffith Williams. Elwyn Evans QC represented the Crown, and Brendan Kelly QC defended Bridger. A forensic expert told the court that fragments of human bone consistent with a younger individual had been found in the fireplace at Bridger's cottage. They also described how blood found in several parts of the cottage matched to April's DNA, and was enough to convince the police that April had suffered injuries from which she would not have survived. There was also enough to convince the Crown Prosecution Service to charge Bridger with murder despite not having a body. On the 29th of May, the judge concluded his summing up, and then ordered the jury to retire to consider their verdicts. Having deliberated for just over four hours, the jury returned three guilty verdicts for the charges of abduction, murder, and attempting to pervert the course of justice. The next day, the 30th of May, Bridger was sentenced to life imprisonment with a recommendation that he should never be released. Having been called a pathological liar, and a paedophile by the judge. Bridger is only the 37th person to be given a whole life tariff. Throughout the trial, he had stuck steadfastly to his story about not remembering where he had put April's remains. Shortly after he was convicted, however, it emerged that while on remand at HMP Manchester, he informed a prison chaplain that he had disposed of April's body in the fast flowing Avon Dulas, which flowed past Bridge's house. Daffed Powys police said they doubted Bridge's claims and believed that he had scattered April's remains across the countryside near his house. This conversation was the subject of legal arguments during the trial. The jury was absent during this discussion, and the Crown Prosecution Service decided not to submit the evidence. When sentencing Bridger, Mr Justice John Griffith Williams said, For the last four weeks, the court has listened to compelling evidence of your guilt, evidence which has also demonstrated that you are a pathological and a glib liar. There is no doubt in my mind that you are a paedophile who has for some time harboured sexual and morbid fantasies about young girls, storing on your laptop not only images of prepubescent girls but foul pornography of gross sexual abuse of young children. What prompted you on Monday the 1st of October to live out these fantasies is a matter of speculation but it may have been the combination of the ending of one sexual relationship and your drinking. In July 2013, several weeks into his sentence, Bridger was attacked by a fellow prisoner with an improvised shank resulting in facial and throat injuries, for which he received stitches. In December 2013, Bridger launched an appeal against his whole life sentence, but dropped the appeal a month later, just days before it was due to be heard. Almost exactly 12 months after her murder, the 26th of September 2013, April Jones's family were finally able to hold a funeral service for her. Hundreds of mourners all wore a splash of pink, which was April's favourite colour. It was the last chance for the little town of Machenleth to say goodbye to April, remembered as a bright, fun, and sometimes mischievous girl. But it was also time for anger to re emerge as Bridger still refuses to say what happened to her body. The Reverend Kathleen Rogers who led the service said the number of mourners who had packed out St. Peter's Church showed how many lives April had touched in her five years. They had come, she said, to celebrate the life of a sweet, innocent girl, but said there remained anger and confusion that she had been so cruelly taken. People were feeling pain Emptiness, Anger and Despair On the 4th of August 2014, it was announced that the cottage where Bridger lived had been purchased by the Welsh Assembly for £149,000 having stood empty since his arrest almost two years prior. The cottage was demolished in November 2014 destroying the painful memories which surface for the close-knit community every time they passed. A campaign by the Jones family calling for tougher sentences for sex offenders was debated in Parliament. April's law was discussed a number of times in Parliament and calls for sex offenders to remain on the register for life. With the online petition receiving more than 100,000 signatures, they were also pushing for internet providers to restrict access to images of such nature on the World Wide Web. Despite trying to remain positive through the trial and the search for April, Paul Jones recalls the moment he knew his daughter had gone from him forever. It still remains so clear in his mind all these years later. 10.33pm on the 1st of October 2012. I was standing outside by the back gate, and as it was a weird feeling, almost like my heart had stopped, and I can't explain it. It's like your heart drops into your stomach and bounces back up. I cannot explain it, but I knew she was no longer here. So that's it for this week. Thank you for bearing with us, with this week's episode being slightly shorter than normal, but normal service will resume in a fortnight. Please remember if you enjoyed the show and want to know more, please follow us on Twitter, at True Crime Fix Pod. That's at True Crime Fix Pod on Twitter. The podcast also has a Facebook page, True Crime Fix Podcast, but there's also a fan page, True Crime Fix Discussion. I'm thoroughly enjoying interacting with everyone on there, and this is where I post the majority of the information on this week's cases. Just a reminder that you can also visit the website, www.truecrimefixpodcast.co.uk That's www.truecrimefixpodcast.co.uk True Crime Fix is also on Patreon, so please visit www.patreon.com forward slash true crime fix podcast that's www.patreon.com forward slash true crime fix podcast I also have an Instagram account so search true crime fix if you have any suggestions or feedback for the show please contact me at true at gmail.com that's true crime fix podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe, look after each other, and live life to the fullest because you never know who or what will be coming around the next corner. Take care, everyone.